you're happy and you're not. Yes. Okie dokie. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we gotta give Nick a few seconds of silence. Father Anthony. Father Harrison. Are you awake? Are you ready? I am awake and ready. Because we have a special guest with us today. Very special guest. We uh, Welcome to the podcast, Bishop Umbers. Yay! Good morning. <laughs> good, no, no. Good afternoon. Well, good good, good sometime around the world on the, uh, according to the, <laughs> what is the Greenwich Mean Time somewhere. <laughs> we got it to work. We were having uh, some uh, tef- technical difficulties, so... We're recording as we can, as well as we can record. So, but we're so happy to have you on the podcast because this has been like a year in the making. Sure, it was a shame. I've, you know, I've got a fancy, I've got a really fancy, super duper microphone. I've even got these these Bose headset things, microphones, but none of them it seems to work. So you, you're going to have to deal with the tinny sound of the MacBook Air. There you go. There we go. There we go. How are you doing? Uh, well, in in lockdown, like everyone. Yeah. Although yeah. it's been a How- very, very social lockdown because there are exceptions made for pastoral visits. Right. So uh, compassionate reasons, things like that. So I've, I've uh, somehow seemed to find a reason almost every day for some kind of a pastoral visit. So I've got to be careful. I tell everyone, look, you're going to treat me like I'm infected. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've, got, I've got the germs, whatever, and, and I, you know, stay distance and all the rest of it. But so far, Australia is, is in a situation where there's very few people who are infected. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, so, you know, for those, okay. So we know you from Twitter, the memeing Bishop, but for, you know, we, we obviously will have listeners who aren't on Twitter or anywhere else who probably don't know who you are. So why don't you just tell the people a little bit about yourself? Oh, wow. Okay. So I, um, I'm, even though I'm from Australia, I'm actually from a country called New Zealand. So if you've seen Flight of the Concords, uh, yes. something like that. <laughs> Excellent. Now, yeah. I have spent a lot of time. So I'm a typical Aucklander. Auckland's a, the, the biggest city. It's in the, 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 the north of the island. Uh, and there's two islands, but anyway. But a typical Aucklander is someone who has traveled the world, but never been to the South Island. And that's <laughs> true for me. So I'm almost 50 and I have never been to the South Island, which is the beautiful one. That's all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Hobbiton, however, is in the North Island. I have been there. Uh, <laughs> but when I ask people overseas, do you know where New Zealand is? They always say, yes, of course. And I say, well, can you point to it? And they'll always point to Papua New Guinea, which is hmm. to the north of Australia. But in fact, New Zealand's right. a, a little bit to the uh, to the east. So is there any any um, like New Zealand Australian prejudices? Like, is it hard? It's like it's it's like the USA and Canada. Uh huh. I got you. It's exactly the same. So which one Wait, are so you? Which then? one's Canada? Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. So New Zealand talks a lot about Australia. Australians don't really think much about New Zealand, except when they get beaten in the rugby union. <laughs> that, that would be it. So uh, that's actually very close to the American Canadian relationship. <laughs> it is, except what, except the except for rugby, it's hockey when we beat yeah. you guys in hockey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so then uh, how how long <laughs> so how long have you been ordained a priest how long have you been a bishop it, it all it all sort of merges into one it's, it's one big blur to think about that <laughs> sure. but I, I do think back sometimes when i was a, a young whippersnapper and i was first uh-huh. ordained and quite quite amazing i saw some photos to prove it so i was actually i was 31 when i was ordained a priest um, i had been working professionally as an economist and left that to, to, to go into the seminary. Um, 
But it's incredible because, I'm, as I say, like I'm almost 50. I caught up with schoolmates I hadn't seen for more than 30 years. And you know what? We all look like we're 50 years old. <laughs> so that's, that's certainly something. So it's a big difference there. But um, no, I've been a bishop for almost four years, which is also something quite that's, – that's been a real learning curve, I have to say. That's an amazing experience. Yeah, I have a question about your time as a bishop now. Yeah. Um, how, how many days off purgatory do you get per Zoom meeting? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you have to hope there's some perks. Uh, <laughs> that's the one thing. So, I knew, when the, so the nuncio gave me a phone call, and this is how, this is how you, get, you become a bishop. You know, I, I, was, um, mm-hmm. I was actually driving to St. Mary's Cathedral to hear confessions. I used to go there on a Monday and spend a few hours hearing confessions. And I was on my way there and I got this phone call from the secretary saying, you know, is this Father Richard Umbers? I said, oh, yes. He said, the nuncio wants to give you a call. I went, oh, sounds interesting. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I, Wait, you know, a few out, minutes time later. Out, time out. Yeah. Was your reaction sounds interesting? <laughs> or was it like, because ter- like for me, it'd be like terror and horror. Like why the heck does the nuncio have anything well, to I, do with I, I, Yeah, I, I immediately had suspicions. Like why is the nuncio calling me? Um, now, to be fair, the nuncio does ring me up from time to time, but it's it's simply, you know, like, uh, do you have a copy of whatever it is? You know, things like that. Okay, so you never okay. quite know why, but I, you know, I thought, well, I, you know, why is the nuncio ringing me? Uh, I, so I parked the car uh, at the car park there at St. Mary's Cathedral and I was out and I said, you know, oh, good morning, you know, this is the, you know, uh, Archbishop Adolfo Tito and all the rest, you know, I'm the nuncio. And he went straight into it. The Holy Father has appointed you. Auxiliary Bishop of Sydney, do you accept? This is straight out. <laughs> and I'm like, can I, um, can I like, you know, think this over? Can I talk to my spiritual director? Can I? And he goes, okay, well, you, you can talk to your spiritual director, no one else. And uh, you've got to get back to me today because the Holy Father's waiting for your answer. <laughs> and, then I, and then I went off and heard three hours worth of confessions. And I was going, oh, you know, as you can imagine, anyway. So later that day, I finally, after doing that and then giving spiritual direction and all the rest of it, I finally got to, to speak to my spiritual director. And he said, oh, well, do whatever. And I, and I, went, <laughs> I went to pray. And, and I was, it was 10 minutes of prayer. And, and um, I, knew, I knew I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I think that's about the only thing I've learned in my, you know, however many years. Uh, so I said, okay, well, okay, sure. And I, I said, yes. And... Um, and it's true. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had absolutely no idea what it is to be a bishop. Really none. Uh, and I've discovered along the way, you know, what, what, what that means. And it does mean a lot of meetings. You know, I had no idea about the meetings. I really <laughs> mm-hmm, didn't. Because mm-hmm. until as a priest, I spent all my time hearing confessions, preaching retreats, giving spiritual direction. That was pretty much full time. Uh, I was a chaplain, so I didn't have to worry about parish stuff. You know, oh, I, okay. I, just, I just dealt with young university uh, college students who were super keen to know the Lord. And I just, it was full time doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. And now, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I go to- Bureaucracy. Yes. In fact, the funniest thing is that I, I do a lot of meetings and, uh, but the worst ones of all, the worst meeting by far is the province meeting for the New South Wales bishops. That is excruciating. Why is that? Uh, well, you can come along to one if you want, but it's, <laughs> I remember in some of the meetings, I have actually said, you know, there's, there's some of the bishops, they, they laugh because they look at me and they can see my eyes rolling and all the rest of it. I, I keep saying things like, you know, when are we going to talk about Jesus? <laughs> 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 I 
was a, the, the, the best moment I remember of all was a few years ago, we had a meeting and we stopped for five minutes to talk about something that was actually religious. And oh. it was about a, 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 a person who um, is a candidate for sainthood, uh, Eileen O'Connor, who was a, a very young uh, Australian woman who died at the, in, the, uh, in the early 1900s. And um, she had done phenomenal work bedridden. So she, she had a curvature of the spine uh, and she, but from her bed, she was able to organize all these nurses to go out, help the poor, do all sorts of things. She even traveled to Rome, met with the Holy Father, but just, and she died when she was 30, but she did it in a phenomenal amount and had all sorts of um, spiritual insight. You know, this, this young woman who nothing could stand in the way, basically. So she, her cause is progressing, but as the bishops, we were asked, you know, what did we think? And we, you know, we all said yes. And it was fantastic because <laughs> it was five minutes when we talked about religion and we all felt so happy. And then we went yeah. back into the bureaucracy again, you know, these absurd things of, you know, money for the whatever it is to do the whatever it is, and, you know, no connection yeah. to anything. I was talking to a friend last week who's a, a nun and, uh, and we're just kind of checking in on each other during the, the, the quarantine stuff. And, and I said to her afterwards, I said, you know, I really appreciated our talk because we actually talked about our relationship with Jesus. You know, when priests get together, we so much just like to talk shop Yeah, mm -hmm. and we yeah. have a hard time. And maybe, I don't know if it's a male thing or if it's just something that's ingrained in us because of, it's how the culture of clergy sometimes is. It's so easy for guys to talk shop, but not to want to talk about our relationship. Yeah. So when, Christ, priests, get how together, we when priests get together, you know, and you let it go for a bit mm -hmm. and, and there they are talking about now, you know, can I get permission to go into your car park? I mean, for that wedding that I'm going to celebrate, uh, you know, how many people fit in the car park? Well, you can have only so many, but between these hours, because that's when the school is doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. What's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, welcome to Clerically Speaking. Thank that's you. a little bit of a late intro, but welcome to Clerically <laughs> Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. Uh, I'm Father Anthony. And I'm Bishop Richard Uppers. There you go. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> we have a bishop on the podcast. We are legitimate now. Wait, I have a few questions. I have a few questions. We'll have a longer okay. first uh, uh, segment here. Um, I have a question um, for Father Harrison. How did you manage not to burn your church down during your Easter vigil? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know or didn't see, um, one of the things I did for my parish for the Easter vigil was, I mean, I've been seeing this thing. People have been putting like pictures of, of their parishioners on their pews. And I said, eh, I don't know. Not my thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seeing my people's faces. Gross. <laughs> you've, you've, you've seen not... that video that's circulating, right? Where they're just trying to, to wash the feet of the dolls. No. You, you, did you not? Did you see my response? Explain what's going on here. What's, what uh, is this? Uh, <laughs> Some priest was washing the feet of dolls on Holy Thursday since there were no people there. That's <laughs> no one can see Father Anthony's face of incredulity right now. Like, but it's I, there. I just, I just, why can't, why can't, why can't, why can't we Priests all just, be, just be not even like just like kind of normal? Can we all just be like a little bit normal yeah. sometimes? Well, live streaming nice. exposes many things. <laughs> So anyways, anyways, uh, so what I did, though, was I thought, well, this is the night of, of light, really, mm. right? And so I had this idea that came to me on Thursday or Friday. I said, I'm going to light 300 candles in my church, roughly around 300 candles, tea light candles. 
that because re- we have around 300 households registered in our parish. Yeah. Just that simple, right? And and I would pray for each household as I lit each one. So Saturday morning, I laid them out in the pews. And then Saturday night, it took me a lot longer than I expected. I lit the 300 candles. They're tea lights, man. They look they look just fine. And so uh, it was beautiful, actually. It gave a nice little... I mean, people couldn't see it on the stream, but... Uh, uh, it looked, it was quite beautiful and it was a nice little gesture. And I got a lot of compliments from people saying, wow, thank you for doing that for us. And thank you for praying for us in that way. Or thank you for, I thought, cause then even after the vigil, who has their phone on? <gasps> it's all right. It's all right. Okay. So even after the vigil. Uh, anyways. Uh, so even after the vigil, the candles were still burning for a bit and it was great. It was beautiful and uh, didn't burn the church down at all. Cause they were all socially spaced from each ah, other nice <laughs> and uh and they were way back i mean these are strong wooden pews there's no way a tea light candle is going to catch them on fire with okay okay everything so i've got yeah. a I, so uh, i actually love the idea i love the image of it the spirituality of it i was like oh that's great but i couldn't help but wonder that isn't this going to burn the church down because i have a quick story to tell <laughs> oh when i was a seminarian <laughs> And uh, we would have this big fall retreat, and I would help out. I, I went to this fall retreat as a high school student, and I came back to help out as a seminarian. And I play enough bass guitar to play praise and worship songs, which is is barely any talent at all. Uh, but I'm playing in the praise band, okay? And what they were doing for this big adoration sort of thing was that um, during adoration, students could go to confession. And when they went to confession, they got a little tea light, and they could put the tea light on the stage and it's kind of like so a bunch of tea lights sort of surrounding the Eucharist as a sign of like renewal or blah 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 it was nice it was nice but these tea lights were very closely packed in right so you know most of the time when you light a tea light it's just the wick that's burning but I'm playing bass guitar and I see one of the tea lights like the whole like circle is on fire like the whole thing, but it's it's fine. It's small. I see an adult come up to deal with it, so I just keep on playing my bass guitar. Do, 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 do. Then I look back and I see that the the fire has spread to so maybe like three candles now, and the adult who's trying to fix this is looking more and more worried. Girls in the front row are looking slightly slightly horrified, but I'm like, you know what? Someone's got this under control. I'm gonna keep playing my bass guitar on stage. Do, 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 do. I look back again, and like there's a small little bonfire <laughs> on the stage, right? <laughs> the adult has this look on his face like, I'm supposed to be the one to fix this, but I can't fix this, and I don't know what to do. The girls in the front row are horrified. One of them is crying because the whole church is going to burn down, right? So I uh, take my sweater. I-, I put down my bass guitar because you don't really need bass guitar. I put down my bass guitar, <laughs> take off my sweater, and just poof, put it on the fire, put the whole thing out. And then I, we go about playing bass guitar and everything. And everyone was just like, oh, Father, or not Father, uh, Anthony, you did such a good job. You saved everything, blah, 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 blah. But the best part of that story is that uh, sweater belonged to a producer, Nick, and was completely <laughs> and utterly ruined. Everyone was like, oh, nice. man, you sacrificed your sweater for us. I was like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so that's the story I wanted to tell. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I, I awesome. selflessly sacrificed my brother's sweater to yeah. put out a fire. I gained all the glory from it. And uh, yeah, there you go. Well, now Nick gets the glory because now everyone knows. It's true. It was his sweater that was sacrificed, right? Okay, so I have that. Yeah. And then one so, more thing. So how does yeah. how does how's Bishop Umbers celebrate um, the Easter Vigil 
during quarantine? What was what was your vigil like? Did you did you celebrate the vigil? Was yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. We so we had so I've been str- live streaming mass each day, and normally it's okay. just it's just myself in the church, and so I I kind of go monastic and and uh, just sort of you know in, get, go into the zone and, and try and sing what I can and just you know, take my time all the rest. But for the weekends and certainly for the Triduum, uh, I made it a parish production, and so it was you know I mean, it's 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 in the first place, it's for the, for the parishioners mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you've got all the, all the favorites there, you know, everyone knows who everyone is. And, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of joy in being able to see the, the people that, you know, you know mm-hmm. doing whatever Absolutely. it is they're doing for the readings or for the serving. And uh, I've got, you know, there's a, a permanent deacon uh, who really holds the parish together. And then you've got various acolytes, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's who's who in the neighborhood really. So yeah. we, that was it was a it was a, uh, a complete parish production. Nice. So how many times did you lose your mitre uh, during the? Uh, <laughs> actually, the thing is, it, it was there was some there was some. Uh, look, I'm not a liturgist at the best of times, but there, because I, I you know you've got social distancing going on whilst you're also celebrating mass. I was like fiddling with the crozier and mitre myself in between trying to actually do things. And so, mm-hmm. gotcha. yeah, especially yeah. for the, the, uh, the final blessing and, you know, you, you're supposed to have the crozier at a certain time and the mitre at a certain time, mm-hmm. but it was all mixed in and who knows. <laughs> but I think the thing is though, like I'm aware that we're making mistakes continually, but, but most of the parishioners, they're just very happy to go beautiful mass, father, beautiful mass. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So father Anthony, what did you do for the vigil? Uh, so we did our our live stream. Um, the, the my I was scheduled to do nothing except the readings because the pastor was taking over. The parochial vicar was going to do some readings. I was going to do some of the readings. We have a transitional deacon. Uh, the idea was that he was going to sing the exalted. He has a great voice, so like a really great speaking voice, but isn't much of a singer. But I had assumed he'd been practicing because this is the big thing you do as a transitional deacon when you go back to your parish. It's your chance for sure to sing. The exalted, right? Well, uh, we had a meeting like the week before, and we, you know, joked and made fun of the transitional deacon because he has to do this whole big exalted thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, 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 I, I'm, I'm practicing." And uh, then the, the the younger parochial vicar comes to me and says, "Hey, you know, it might be nice of you just to offer him an an out. You know, if he doesn't feel really comfortable doing this, you've done that before. I know I would appreciate that." I'm like, "Okay, fine, sure." So I said, hey, you know, if you're uncomfortable doing this and I've done it before, I can do it, no problem. He's like, oh, no, no, I like a challenge. I'm going to do it. Apparently, and I'm not sure exactly how much he practiced, but the, the, the impression I got was like the day before he started practicing this whole thing. And so he, he calls me two hours before the, uh, the vigil and was like, ah, this isn't going to work. I'm going to keep practicing, but this isn't going to be good. So I was like, okay. Uh, so I went there early. I practiced it once beforehand. And I can do a solid B plus uh, exaltet. Uh, and oh, by the way, people should go back and listen to that episode last year, last Easter, that we did on the exaltet. Because that's one of our better ones, I thought. Mm-hmm. But the whole big thing is yeah. I got to sing the exaltet. It was fun. I enjoy that sort of thing. You got to Mother Bees. Yes, yes, mother bees. Mother bees yes, yes. is essential. I actually used the exalted for my homily, and I preached on "Let this holy building shake with joy," mm-hmm. because I said it's not just the building; it's the building of the church, mm-hmm. right? Which is not just the building, but it's built up of its members, right? And anyways, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to share one I find thing. Too, uh, I, f- 
And I, sorry? So I want to share one more thing about this. Yeah, yeah. So like, for the most part, it was nice. It was nice to do this liturgy. But there there was in the middle of it, I really feel like I've been thinking about this and praying about this. It definitely was a spiritual attack because it was sometime during the liturgy where all of a sudden, like for this brief moment, for maybe like three seconds, there was just like this voice in my head saying, isn't this pathetic? No one is here this isn't what it's supposed mm. to be. Aren't you pathetic for trying to do this? It was like a brief boom, just moment that went in and out mm. of like a brief moment of despair. I really think that was a spiritual attack in that moment. So anyway, it turned out just fine though. I, I'm getting to the point now. Like I know some priests, they practice it like for weeks on out beforehand. And these are people who know how to sing. Mm. I find the patterns of the exalted. So I don't need to practice it much anymore. No. Well, you, you guys are good, but it's so easy to get to go off the rails. It yeah. is. It is. <laughs> it is. It's it's those five notes of the this is the night. Those are yeah, those and the O's. There's a few O's and a few thises. That's like settle yeah. down. But you can totally cheat on those. Just do one note and go back into the regular stuff. You can totally. Speaking cheat. of cheating, speaking of cheating, <laughs> we have been cheating by going way too long in our intro, and people are going to kill us for this long of a banter. So let's move it to the summa. Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. So the Summa Theologica with St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. Do we all want to so, do just one, maybe? Because I just want, I, I have all kinds of bishop questions. We will each do one. Cool. We will each do one. I'm going to choose this one from Father uh, Hildebrand, Father Ryan, at, at Father Hildebrand. Mm-hmm. Um, one nice part about the shutdown of ecclesial bureaucracy is that the task of evangelization is, isn't getting bogged down in the red tape. I just like this a lot because I think it's true. I think suddenly um, the ideas of finding new ways to evangelize and to especially, and I think especially the internet, suddenly everyone loves to use the internet to evangelize. <laughs> yeah. There was massive hesitations. There's always been stumbling blocks to doing this. And suddenly everyone's like, we got to go online because this is going to be the only way to connect with people. And I'm like, yeah, we've been, I don't know. I've been saying this for a while. <laughs> I think all of us have been kind of saying this for a while. But um... So I'm, I'm one, of, one of my tasks is Vicar for Evangelization, which is mm-hmm. a, a very, for those of you who are in the know in chancery world, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about here. But uh, from the day one, I, you know, because I didn't know about bureaucracy, um, I made the big mistake of saying, hey, you know, just drop whatever it is that you're doing. Just forget about it. It doesn't work. Uh, let's do, and I was, had all these online activities, you know, and you could see how far that got. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but now, you know, that's the only thing going. So everyone's learning, everyone's trying to get the technology. And it's the transition, I think, uh, while, with, while there are hiccups, it's been pretty quick because the, the tech, mm-hmm. it's always been there. The only block has been people's mindsets. You know, there's yeah. that, 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 that expression Father Z uses uh, with the church. We bring you yesterday's technology tomorrow. 
That <laughs> 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 is pretty good. I like that. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. But yeah, and I think, and I've been noticing like, first, like I've even found out some homebound parishioners who can't get to church anyways. They have an iPad or whatever, and they're tuning into mass, right? You have no idea how many relapse family and friends I've had who, because they're, I put something on Facebook or on, or whatever, they've tuned into some of the masses now and they will never, they haven't darkened the church for years. It's not perfect. The screen is not the end point, but I'm noticing like if we can treat what we do through a screen as like, as a means of communication and we understand it as not the end, but the means, then I think we're already seeing a lot of the successes. I mean, suddenly like, I, I was seeing stuff that you posted, Bishop, about like what, like a million people tuned in to Easter Sunday Mass or something yeah. like that. Yep, in, Austra- in Australia, in Sydney, across Australia, yeah, Australia. Yeah, a million people. That's Australia. huge. Yeah, that's huge because you guys are pretty secular down there. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you guys are a bunch of heathens down there. <laughs> even so, even so, no, for Good Friday and for, for Easter yeah. Sunday, that was screened on national television. Right, and I mean, wow. like suddenly. We're, we're kind of getting on the communications bandwagon and it's bearing good fruit. Okay. Yep. But let's be, yeah. let's be real honest about what this is and what this isn't. This yeah. is good fruit, but it's really low hanging fruit. And sometimes Absolutely. there can be like uh, this idea like, oh, this is all we have to do, uh, which I don't think we think that, but there's this idea like, oh, all we have to do is get online because that's where the young people are online. <laughs> settle, settle down. This is something we should, of course, be doing. We shouldn't yeah. be giving this a second thought. You know, this is a relatively easy thing to do, and we should yeah. just be doing it. So I think this is the low-hanging fruit that finally, 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 a lot of parishes are plucking. But also to keep in mind that it's just that. This is something that we should be doing. It's a good thing to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, the work of evangelization, as we know, is is far more than just this. But yeah, yeah. of course we should be doing this. The, the, the dinosaur aspect to a lot of what we, we undertake, and it's not just that it's not confined to the church either. I mean, but it... There's a generational gap, and it is a little bit like you know that 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 tired meme now of Internet Explorer, you know, trying to catch up. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you see that because the, the reaction every time when you say something like you know should we take a car to the supermarkets? I mean, it's, it's, it sounds as, as as basic as that when you're talking about something to do with WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever. Exactly. And, and the reaction is always, "What do you want to do that for?" <laughs> Right, right, right. So, uh, but thankfully, we get we don't those voices can't be heard right now. Yeah, right. And I think, but I think a lot, you know, um, see, I think a lot of pastors are seeing a good response from this, and, and uh, I think some people are. Um, so one of the people in our parish was like super excited. He was like, "Oh my goodness, we got three thousand people to watch our mass! Isn't that amazing?" I was like, "Okay, those numbers don't mean what they what you think they mean. It means three thousand people on Facebook." saw our video for at least a second okay but but i'm excited about your enthusiasm because this is something that we should do so i think that there has been a good shift in that and we have to find out ways to to continue that and there's one argument that i've heard that i've been thinking about myself like okay if people can watch mass will they say oh watching mass is good enough i don't have to go to the sunday mass i think most people who spend time watching a mass on the internet which i find personally incredibly boring and i never want to watch an entire mass on tv or on the internet but if someone's willing to do that i think they're going to be really excited to go back to mass once we start again so i think sometimes people worry a little bit too much about that well i'm hearing stories of of people who haven't been to mass for a long long time one reason or another now they're attending you know 
attended in, in air quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Daily Mass. Yep. And they're into it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's good. Exactly. I think it's like I said, this is low hanging fruit. This is easy entry. You know, you can go to mass without having other people look at you. Uh, you can just kind of sneak into your virtual mass. Like, oh, this is yep. kind of nice. Maybe yep. I'll show up when this all gets started up again. So it's exactly. good. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I want to do one that's kind of timely. This is from our good friend, Father Mike Lillendahl. And he tweets, does a tiger cost more or less than $12,000? $1,200. $1,200, sorry. Does a tiger cost more or less than $1,200? Which is a delightful tweet because it, it encompasses many things that are happening, especially in my particular country. So the day we're recording this, many people who have direct deposit for their taxes or whatever have received the fabled, the mystical Trump bucks. This stimulus thing that you're doing. So many people have received the money, and the money I think on average is $1,200, right? So this is all very exciting. It's very memeable. Excellent. Okay, good. But also, there's this thing. Have either of you seen the show, the Netflix show, Tiger King? Just the memes. Just the memes. Yeah. Good, I have not good, seen, good. I have not seen you know it yet. I, I know what it's about. This I know what it's means, about, but I have This seen means it. that you're both good people. Because this, I don't know what this show is. I've only heard people talk about this show. But it sounds, it sounds like watching it is a sin. That's all I'm going to say about it. I know everyone's very excited I've heard several people talk about this show. I'm like, you know what? No, not going to watch The Tiger King because I'm a good and holy person. And I'm just excited that you guys are good and holy people as well. Thank you, Michael Lindahl, for encompassing the two great forces in American culture right now, which are on one hand the Trump bucks, on the other hand the Netflix show Tiger King, and just combining it in one delicious tweet. So thank you, Mike. So here, here's the thing with Tiger King. Yeah. Because um, I, I actually do want to see it. I do want to see this. I don't have Netflix right now at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm also keeping myself to a principle of one TV show at a time during quarantine. Because otherwise it gets very easy to get sucked in and watch 10 episodes of something at once. And before you know it, your day is gone. Right. So I'm trying to keep to that principle. And I'm really at the beginning. I'm like, well, I'm about halfway now on Justified. So I'm. When that's done, then mm-hmm. maybe I'll check it out and get Netflix for a month. Because I'm actually kind of curious about the show. Because from what I've heard about it, it sounds like it's an icon of America. <laughs> you might be right. I hope you're not. I don't know. And I kind of want to see that. <laughs> so is Tiger King big in Australia? Is this like a thing that's been on? Yeah, no, it, it, it features as number one. On, whenever I t- so I do have Netflix, and, and, and that's yeah. always in my face, you know, the Tiger King. But I'm 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 busy at the moment watching a medieval Korean zombie series. <laughs> wait, so wait, I'll, wait. I'll wait till I'm, I'm finished with that. <laughs> wait, you can't just leave it at that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's called Kingdom. It, it is. I, I, the thing I love about. Uh, you know the, the horror movies that come from Japan or Korea or whatever. It, it, it doesn't fit the, the normal uh, pattern. So you know when you get to my age, I mean you've, I've seen every kind of movie. I, when I go on the plane, there's like hundreds of movies to choose from, and I can't because yeah. I've I, in yeah. one way or another I've kind in, in one sense I've seen them all because I, I know sure. you know okay the, you've got the odd couple and they've got the difficulties to start with, but then they. They kind of hit it off, but then they go through a crisis period, but then it all reconciles at the end. And, you know, like, okay, yeah, forget it. From what I understand, there's no reconciliation at the end of Lion King. Of Lion, or what is it? With, uh, uh, Tiger what's King. What's it called? Tiger King. Not, the not, Lion, not Lion King. King. <laughs> Though a crossover sounds amazing. <laughs> no, so the one uh, show yeah. I have been watching, 
the one show I have been watching that I, I just get downloaded from um, uh, Amazon Prime is Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, yeah, the milkshake and the, all that. That's yes, the, yeah, exactly. Burger, I never watched fries, it. The, yep. I was always curious about it. Now I'm watching it. I kind of love it. It's kind yeah. of amazing. The other okay, and it's I very I stupid. Lied. It's very yeah. stupid, but I love it. And I kind of I have it. I do have a second show, but it's more like a show like that. I'll just kind of like I like to watch comedies when I go to bed, just to help me fall asleep because mm-hmm. they're brainless often. Well, not brainless, but I don't need to have my brain on when I'm watching them, and they actually do help <laughs> me fall asleep. And so I've been rewatching Third Rock from the Sun. There you go. And that has actually been bringing a lot of. It's a good that that show still lasts. Like it still holds itself. All right, Bishop Umbers, it's your turn. Okay, well. I, I I was I was going to this spicy territory here. Okay, right. yeah, because we we gave both like really easy ones. This is spicy. spicy one. Okay, so there's a just recently I've seen there's a um a, a mock account uh, for Taylor Marshall. Mm-hmm. So it's like in in Vertiquava's <laughs> Doctor Taylor Marshall. Have you seen that one? Quote unquote Doctor. Yeah. Anyway, this yeah. is I'm kind of like the Catholic Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have to you have to break this open for people because some people may not know who Taylor Marshall is or who even Ben Shapiro is. Oh, well, my goodness, you gotta you gotta you gotta give where, us the Jesus of the meme. <laughs> give us the next Jesus. Uh, look, I'll start with Ben Shapiro. So I mean, he's a outspoken, put it that way, strident mm-hmm. uh, conservative commentator. He actually, sp- I was I was at uh, the March for Life uh, where he got up and had a soapbox and, and spoke for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't actually hear what he was saying, though. I think there was just too many people. All the rest. I was there last year too when President Trump spoke too. So it, was, it was incredible. And again, I was just lost to the sea of people, so I didn't really know. You know if you're watching from home, you probably get more. But, but Ben Shapiro is uh, polemical to say the least. You know, mm-hmm. you've all seen the YouTube clips. Uh, you know, like for Boy Scouts, why can't girls be in the Boy Scouts? You know, it's in the name, right. Boy Scouts. <laughs> that, that kind of thing, you know. And, and the, the heading will usually be, you know. Ben Shapiro slams, you know, whoever, because that's how YouTube things um, tend to sell, but give viewers. Yeah, so I'm thinking about this. I'm familiar with 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 Ben Shapiro. Uh, I I've, I'm only familiar with with the good Doctor Taylor Marshall's tweets. Um, but I think uh, Father Harris and I were talking about this. We're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff maybe on our next episode because we're, we're percolating some ideas about. Um, lay Catholic speakers and commentators that have become popular and the pitfalls necessary with that. I I think that that comparison, though, is not inaccurate. I think it's a pretty accurate tweet from being kind of familiar with Ben's stuff, being at least familiar with, with Dr. Taylor Marshall on the Twitter sphere. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Well, it's a bit like being a, a shock jock, I guess, because... It- you don't get you don't get prizes for nuance or for no. you know the principle of charity in the philosophical sense where you try to get the best possible argument for the other side the thing is the thing is though i think that people like ben shapiro do give sometimes the illusion of doing that so a lot of the these kind of commentators on Twitter, or uh, they have their other own podcasts, will give the appearance of discussion and logic in a lot of their arguments. And sometimes even genuinely, there will be logic within that. There'll be a desire for commentary. But oftentimes, they do not see where their own biases lie. And if you listen to them long enough, you begin to see, okay, 
you are treating, you do have double standards for different kinds of people and different topics. Uh, on one hand, you are being very logical and reasonable. On the other hand, you are really not. Or you are avoiding larger issues for more specific issues. So you're avoiding the, you're, you're focusing on the trees and you're losing the forest. And I see that with these kinds of commentators. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people like Ben Shapiro listen to our podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who like Taylor Marshall also listen to our podcast. So there is crossover, which I find utterly fascinating. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think I really do think this deserves this whole other like episode. So I'm glad you brought it up as a preview because we're definitely going to talk about it uh, next week. Cool. All right. So now I we are all going to be surprised. Nick did say maybe he needs to make a new bumper for this because we this isn't just presbyteral anymore. No, it's not. It's time for. I got to make sure I say it properly. <laughs> Episcopal exhortations. When I interview bishops, it makes me nervous. I bet he wears a really nice surplice. Interviewing Bishop Bumpers. Shrimp on the Barbie. Making memes of countless numbers. Boomerang. With his grocer sheep he gathers. Kangaroo. Teacher of faith. Heretic puncher. I think. I, I think all bishops do that, right? They all punch heretics. Awesome. So, um, so I'm Bishop, really excited we, about whatever Nick is, comes up with. It, or if he, he and will. if he doesn't he come will. up with anything, that's okay too, you know? No, he totally um, is. He totally is. I guarantee it. So we were just talking about some stuff to talk about. And like I had the good pleasure to hang out with uh, Bishop Umbers back in February there in, in Australia, which was a really great opportunity to hang out with him and, and uh and and uh he, and we so we just thought we were kind of texting so i think what we're going to do is we he gave us a few topics that, that we can all talk about and so we'll kind of give seven to ten minutes to each of them type of thing and just have a discussion right Sound but good? i want to start off with some softball oh. questions that i got oh, okay 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 so whenever i was a seminarian the the best job in the liturgy as a seminarian you could have was to be uh one of the vimps the vimps are these kind of like little cloaks that you wear and it is they cover your shoulder and over your arms so and over your hands so that when you hold the bishop's mitre, which is his hat, or his crozier, which is his staff, you don't get your greasy, disgusting lay hands on these beautiful... That sounds like something from, from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you don't get your greasy monkey hands on these good... You, know, you mean your uh, greasy Italian hands. Exactly. Okay, okay. So whenever I was holding the crozier, I would personally imagine, okay, if someone tried to attack my bishop, in what ways could I thwart an attacker with this crozier? In what ways could I hit him over the head, defend my bishop, wielding the crozier as an instrument of, of, of justice and protection? So my question is, how fun is it to have a crozier? Okay, so the, it, it is like you, you carried it around a little bit like a mafia boss because you also have yeah. to assemble it like you you would a uh, you know some sort of a semi-automatic rifle or whatever it is I don't know how you you know what people use for these uh, assassination attempts. Um, yes. There's a Monty Python skit that you may have seen. You know the bishop. The bishop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you proceed, it's not unlike the bishop. That, you know, it's, uh, the bishop. <laughs> so the, the crozier is pretty cool, and I've got to say, like for instance, when when you say mass for the school kids, and you know you've got the like the first graders or something, they are just an absolute war. 
<laughs> staring yeah. at the hat, the staff, the whole thing. They, you know, they've never seen anything like it before. They're just <laughs> in trance. That's awesome. Beautiful. Perfect. Um, and this is more of a comment than it is a question. But you have, uh, and Father Harrison alluded to this. I, it's okay because it's a podcast. This is fun. Uh, it's not an academic lecture. Um, <laughs> so Father Harrison alluded to this, that sometimes you've tweeted about the fact that you've lost your miter, which oh, is yeah. your hat. Yeah. Which is, it's just like, oh, the bishops, they're just like us. They just, because I, I, I think if, if I was ever, God forbid, a bishop, I would lose my miter all the time. Because I think about my tab collars, just my tab collars. I've got some in my car. I've got some in my couch, some in my office. None of them are where they're supposed to be on my dresser. And still, I, I, I lose them all the time. I can't imagine only having like, how many miters do you have? Actually, have genuinely... quite, quite a collection. And the, the problem okay. is that, and this, this goes on, I mean, the worst one is when I've lost my chasuble. Um, but I don't know how that <laughs> happened. But the thing is, is that, see, in, when you go into a sacristy, this is the thing. It, it, it is, it is Piccadilly, Piccadilly Circus, you know, in, in London. I mean, it's just, it, it is coming and going, there's, and everyone's trying to help, but they're all getting in the way. Um, and everyone's asking questions all at the same time from, you know, do you want five candles or two candles? Can I baptize my cat? <laughs> Um, you know, is that all, <laughs> you know, you know, where do I get my new placement? It, it, everything happens all at once. Uh, and then everyone's trying to be helpful and they, they take things from you and they try to take it to the car, but they take somebody else's stuff or they, you know, you, you don't know what's actually going on and they're shoving you around and getting photos. And, um, so it can happen quite easily that, that things get left behind or things get mixed, mixed up. And then you, it, you're in so many different places. And I, I, you know, my archbishop is always saying to me, you know, when are you going to make an ad limited visit to Sydney? Um, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so I don't even know in which cathedral I've left my mitre. And, and uh, mm -hmm. that's because I can actually be in, in, in five different cities in five different weeks in five different cathedrals. Uh, and it turned out that the, the last time I lost my mitre, actually, it popped up again in my own cathedral. So that actually saw <laughs> one of the drawers is someone put it away. And I'd be hassling the poor Archbishop of Canberra, you know, can you find my mitre? And they'd be looking, <laughs> taking photos of things. Is it this one? Is it that one? No, no, no. Yeah, but it was actually in Sydney all along. That's Beautiful. hilarious. Thank you so now, much. Now, be before we go on to yeah, this, because it might be helpful, I think some people just don't know this stuff. Can you just maybe briefly explain why a bishop wears a mitre and has a crozier? Um, I, I wish I knew. I don't know. This is a, they're symbols of authority. So there you go. So there's that. Right. Look, my, my, my take on, on I'm a very conservative kind of person when it comes to liturgy. I'm happy to just roll with whatever it is that we've always done for centuries and, and, just sort of, right. and let, let things develop just organically, um, whatever that might happen to be. So the staff is an easier one to explain because that's the shepherd. You know, the, and you're right. there to give a poke to the sheep when they need a, a bit of a poke ahead or, or to get them out of the, uh, where they get caught in the briars or whatever it is. And then, you know, to give the, the wolves a good whack. Um, that's what, that's what it is there for. Now the hat, I mean, that's all, it's all Byzantine ritual, all the rest of it. And people wear hats. And I think most religions have, you know, have a good funny hat. You, 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 as bishops, you, you, you get to wear, you, you've yeah. got, you actually wear, wear a zucchetto underneath. So you've got two funny hats right. at, at the same time. Uh, but but again, it, 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 look, those things are, are symbols of authority. So th when you wear the when you're wearing the mitre, um, it's more or less, more or less you are representing the authority of the church to the people. When you're praying 
on behalf of the people with the people to God, you take the mitre off. So that's, you know, so yep. during the gospel, you don't have it on. Um, and certainly during the Eucharistic prayer. And, and in fact, you don't even have the zaketo on, you know, during the Eucharistic prayer. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. This, um, so a few more questions. Um, you have, you have a fancy bishop ring, I assume. Oh, yep. There you go. Look at that. So you can, I don't know there you can go. see that. Yeah. There you go. Look at yeah. That. And the um, traditional greeting of a bishop is that you would kiss the bishop's ring. Yes. Um, is that something that, um, but certain bishops don't like that. Some bishops do. What's your perspective on that? Like, is it weird the first time people start kissing? It's kissing weird every time. It's weird every time. It's weird every time. But, but you have to understand that it, it is, um, it, it, people aren't, it's not like the mafia boss. You're not the Don and they're going, you know, it, 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 they're doing it because, out of love for Jesus and they actually gain a partial indulgence for doing so. So I, I know that um, as, as at the, on the other end of this, um, I know lots of bishops, um, one of the boys, everything. But the people, I've got to say, the same happens with priests. You'll find that, you know, there are priests that you've known since you were a, a small boy. And now that you're a priest, you're supposed to call them by their first name. But it's really tough. Like, how can I call Father yeah. so-and-so, you know, George? I can't do that. And, and the yeah. same happens with with various bishops and, and that I know. And I've known them as bishops since I was you know, since I was small kind of thing, there's no way I'm going to call them by their first name. I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, and, and, right. and I want, I want to show that, that, that reverence. Um, and I'd be perfectly happy to, to kiss the bishop's ring. Now, some bishops, I think for that reason, they've got a, you know, a big stone or something like that there. Cause that makes it easy to kiss. Uh, whereas yeah. my, my, my <laughs> ring is, is quite plain. And it, so you, you get a bit slobbered and it's like, <laughs> but are you really? Are, but maybe you are kind of like a mafia boss. I mean, they kiss the ring, you slap the cheek at That's pretty mafia. You're boss getting in me. on something, but you're you're missing the point. The missing point is oh. that is that because Joseph is Catholic, uh, because Joseph is Italian, and therefore Jesus is Italian and was born in Italy. All these Italian traditions have made their way into the church because oh, the okay. most Catholic you can be is Italian. <laughs> that's gotcha, what gotcha. you're under. Like you're mistaking. That's that's how it works. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And we were all, don't worry, because as I've said before, we're all Italian by virtue of our baptism. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's talk about, um, I know something that's really close to your heart is just like, generally, um, apostolates to the young people, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. University chap, yeah. university chap, you were a university chaplain before uh, becoming a bishop and you've done, and you were, you were Opus Dei priest, yes. right? Right. So being with, uh, working with those who are in, in the professions and stuff like that is stuff that you've done a lot of work with. So like maybe we can have like a, just a little discussion about um, what, where the church is going with this, how we can, what we can do, what are we not doing well? What can we do better? What are, what are we doing well? And why is, and like, just why, like why are young adults so important? Because it seems like, I don't know, to me, it seems like in a way, and I know I might anger some people from saying, by saying this, I almost feel like, where we need to shift our attentions is not so much to youth ministry, but to young adult ministry because youth ministry was now I'm not saying we shouldn't have youth ministry, by the way, just be careful. I'm not, I, I <laughs> sorry, I'm Father, Father Harrison, a look. Yes. Father Anthony's giving me a look here, but, 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 but what I was just going to say with this is more like, I'm not saying we shouldn't have youth ministry, but I'm saying, but like, as an emphasis, because you know, 40 years ago when you were 16, that's when you would make your life choices that's when you kind of came to a sense of this is what my direction of life is going to be. That's more like the young adult age nowadays. And, and 
And so that's the time when the church can really step in and, and, and do this. Now, I'm not, again, I'm just going to throw it out for the third time because people may have misheard me. I'm not saying we shouldn't do youth ministry, but I just see young adult ministry as much more vital. I think, it, so Mike, I have experience as a high school chaplain. Um, and being a high school chaplain, I, I know the difference it makes in terms of having an influence, certainly. You know, and you have a huge influence at, at, at high school. So being a priest in a school, being there every day, being able to celebrate Holy Mass every day for those who want to attend. And, and you know, I'd, I'd have a lot of, of young men attend that Mass. Um, I mean, the, the choice was that or read a book. So, you know, so many would choose to go to mass, but, um, right. but, you know, there were a lot of fruits came from that and being available, right. but it is, it is a bit bread and butter because there's only so much that you can really talk about or, or really get through. It's a lot more exciting to be with young adults because they're older, more ready to challenge. And, and I knew like when I talked to the, 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 the boys just before they were ready to graduate from high school and I'd go, look, any last questions? Cause you'd hammer them about what's the world's going to be like. Have you ever seen that movie uh, from some time ago called Twister, you know, where the, the tornado takes mm -hmm. everyone up into the air. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah. I've watched it like a thousand times. Well, yeah. So I've explained so this is what it's going to be like once you leave school, you know, you hit uni, it's going to be like Twister. You're going to suddenly ripped up and thrown around and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatevs. But then, of course, it happens. But you know, they, you know, look, at the, and, and so, you know, I asked them any last questions, anything you want to know. This is your last chance. They go, nah, nah, just looking forward to holidays. Of course, as soon as they start university, their very first tutorial, you know, they go in there and says, okay, God doesn't exist. Who's stupid enough to believe in God? And, you know, they sort of raise their hand and then they get smashed. Or especially abortion, you know, like who would be, who could be so conceited to be, you know, one of these anti-choice people and they go, oh, maybe me. And then, you know, they get smashed. That's the end of it. Um, but once you're in, in, in that environment, in that kind of um, furnace of what the university is like, where everyone's having to go, well, then the, the interest in having answers is much greater. Look, I've always found that with um, uh, fellows who get a Protestant girlfriend, all of a sudden they start to take a lot of interest in learning their Catholic faith because they're being challenged and, and they know, they know deep down, they've got to think, oh, yeah, I know the faith is right. You know, we've got the truth, we've got the truth, but they just uh, can't be bothered bringing it forward, you know, out of their memory banks. And so oh, actually, now how does that work? And, and they're getting smashed. And so their pride gets them to actually study a little bit. Um, and I think that the same also happens with, with secularism and, and all the rest. You know, you're very aware. Once, once you leave the university environment, if you have happened to find a, a good chaplaincy, and that, that hasn't always been the case. I, mean, I think university chaplaincies today are, are more sophisticated and people have woken up to the fact that you've got to, you, you, know, you do need to put your good priests in there uh, and, and uh, well-formed lay people. In the past, it wasn't like that. They would find, you know, okay, what priest do we have? We don't know what to do with him. We can't put him in the parish. He gets into trouble. I can't put him there. It's like, I'll just, just throw him into the university and he'll say a few masses and, and say a few. He'll never, he'll never get into trouble at the yeah. university. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, that's the thing, though. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what else to do with him. We'll just put him in there. And, because the real work is is what we've always done, which, you know, is a model that probably worked well in the 1920s or 1930s, which is what we stick with today. Um and how, how we run things out. So, it, but, but the reality is that a lot of people do go to university, not all, not all, but a lot of people do. You have Catholics who are well-educated in many other areas of their, of their profession, but, but their knowledge of the faith doesn't really go much beyond primary school. 
and and it's just such a delight, I guess, on campus to have questions that are being genuinely answered with theological depth, which is what a chaplaincy should be able to provide you with. Uh, and then, but the difficulty is when you start work professionally, it doesn't really matter whether you were devout, not devout, whatever. You're working for the man, and you know you work in incredible hours for under a lot of pressure to, to make the bucks. And, and people's faith just just dissipates because it's just not an environment for you know thinking about the Lord. So having associations for those young professionals to get together to to be kept in line by their friends, their peers, and and even even to be able to do a bit of outreach from their workplace to invite friends, whatever their beliefs, along to an event that is actually going to be worthwhile. That's not going to be cringeworthy. Um, I, terrible anecdote. When I was a young, when I was a young professional, you know, I was going to daily mass. Yes. I was I was at mass in the cathedral in the mornings before heading off to work, and a very nice, like, very like a, a very good priest, very nice priest. Blah, 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 you know, take that for granted. But he used to keep pushing <laughs> Christ in the marketplace, Christ in the marketplace. It was some breakfast that he tried to organise, and I was going, oh, I don't want to go to this thing anyway. And one day he prevailed on it. All right, I'll go to this Christ at the marketplace. It was two pieces of soggy toast. And, and he was there <laughs> asking me all these like difficult questions. And why are you an overstaying? What's all that about? Oh, no. <laughs> so I've done a breakfast. And that's not because of the psychological trauma, but I do run a breakfast where there's very nice food. And uh, mm-hmm. we get about 80 to 90 young professionals and we make sure the speaker has a, a pretty engaging topic. And, and that's in the middle of the city. So that, that, that works quite well. Um, and so I've got to try and find ways in which we can expand on that. But I, I usually, I try to get speakers who are not part of the usual circuit. Uh, and that's also hmm. a bit of a draw card. Why are young Catholics so vital for the church? Like, what do they give to the church? And what, what, what is offered by, by ministering to them? Like, what is the fruit of it? Because, like, I think sometimes people will say, like, what's the point of doing this stuff? You know, like where, where are we going to see the fruit, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I think it's there obviously, but, and I think you do too. Why but, uh, evangelize young people if when they get evangelized, they still don't give money to the church anyway. Is that what you're asking, that, Father Harrison? That is, that is what, that is what they ask at the chancery actually. They said, oh, there's a, a particular parish. I'm thinking, I'm going to be a little bit politi- politic here, but <laughs> there's a particular parish where they've got a lot of young people and they're really into it, but they, yeah, there's not a lot of money on the plate. And so the, oh, the, the yeah. reaction is, oh, this is just a boutique parish. And, you know, <laughs> when are we going to get someone decent in there? Is going to you know, get bring bring in the bucks? Um, mm-hmm. So I I, yeah, I, I hear that uh, Australia is not too different to the United States or Canada. I don't think it's it's amazing. You get the same right. phenomena yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you get vocations. Here's that number one. Where are your priests coming from? And, and in, in Sydney, mm-hmm. certainly, we've got. A, thanks be to God, we have many vocations to the priesthood. In fact, the average age of the priesthood is is on the decline in our archdiocese. So we, we're keeping okay. the same number of priests, but it just keeps getting younger <laughs> and younger. Okay, good. Because like the way stats work, you know, your your presbytery could get younger, but that's just because guys are retiring or or going to the reward as well. Yeah. No, no, we're, we're, it's, it's actually, there's, uh, there are priestly vocations and, and that's because we've had, you know, very good archbishops uh, over the last while. Uh, and that, that makes huge difference, but the, you get, so the university chaplaincy has had, I don't know. I mean, they, they could point to like 60 religious vocations between priesthood and, and 
and uh, various nuns uh, and brothers and things like that. I mean, it, 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 because when people uh, really start to learn the faith and uh, they get into it and, and then through spiritual direction, they, they discover their calling. Now, the parish is essential. You can't do away with the parish. But the reality of the parish is that you, you can't rely on, upon it for your formation. Um, it, 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 it has its own uh, sociology, and you know, there's many online things which make fun of it, but you, you, you can't do away with the parish. And I think one of the beautiful things about the parish is it is, uh, as, as James Joyce would put, you know, here comes everybody. So it's real life and, and you know, your Taylor Marshalls of the world and all the rest of it would, would not last five seconds uh, in, <laughs> in a parish. So it, it is a great, a great place to, to be genuinely Catholic, uh, but you do need specialist input to deal with the challenges that we have in a secular world uh, where you get serious theological depth, which is orthodox, uh, but, but also um, not just apologetics, even though apologetics also matters, but not just, you know, that you, you, you understand the principles and are able to, ex to show how the faith actually helps you confront the challenges of today. Uh, and, and that would be in a conversation with, with any person, whether it be at work or with family or whoever. But you, you need specialist input for that. So what do you think we need to be doing? Like, okay, we're doing university chaplaincy. You're doing, um, where, where do you see anywhere kind of still lacking in young adult outreach? Two places. Uh, it's still lacking with young professionals, even though there's more being done. But in terms of our yeah. cultural, like there's a lot of low hanging fruit. It's just the change of mentality. Like we could do so much in the field of the arts of culture, of uh, intellectual discussion with journals or the rest. I mean, we've got, we have the people to do it. They've got the education. They do need a bit of a budget and a bit of framework, but that's going to depend upon the mentality of the people who make the decisions to allow that to happen and to take those sorts of uh, initiatives seriously rather than old things that don't do too much. So that's one. But another big area I would say is with blue collar workers. <clears throat> What we find is that, so of all the sacraments, the one that's really suffering in Australia is marriage. Uh, that's, they're, they're, it's really, really dropped off. There are a lot of churches that have no weddings. Uh, those people who do get married, they tend to be teachers from our schools. Um, they, so for all of that, you know, they, they, they really, they, they still undertake um, the marriage preparation courses and they, they get married in the church. But a lot of blue-collar people, they just think, well, this, this doesn't speak to me. I, um, there's nothing here for me. I'm, I'm not part of the show. Uh, I'll just live with this person. And, and that's it. Or may, maybe, mm. maybe do something on the beach, you know, uh, but not engage with the church. Mm. Mm. What are there, are there, um, are there still kind of, would you say that there's still, I, I know maybe I'm putting you a bit on the spot with this, but uh, large ecclesial barriers to doing what we need to do to reach out to young adult Catholics? Uh, ecclesial or ecclesiastical? I don't know. This is always a... E sorry, ecclesiastical is maybe okay, the well, word, just... sorry, yes. <laughs> Fine yes. distinction. Look, to, to be fair, so as a parish priest, as a parish priest, you understand that, you know, it's very different to being a chaplain. As a chaplain and this is true for the religious orders and all the rest of it, you know, you're very much into the mission. 
and evangelizing and cooperating with people to ensure, you know, how can we reach out? And you see that in parishes where you have religious in charge. Now, diocesan priests complain a lot about the money because the money, there are different setups. In Australia, we have something which is a bit more communist uh, and the parishes share the funds. So we've got a priestly remuneration fund, whatever it is. It's the one session, whether you're conservative, liberal, old or young, the priests take a lot of interest. You know, any other speakers you have in formation, they might fall asleep. But never, never, never when it's about money. Um, and so the diocesan priests get very upset when the religious take over a particular parish because then they've got their own financial setup and they miss out on the common fund. So, mm. uh, so this is this is this is ecclesiastical reality. And so what happens, of course, is that there there is a, something of a you do have to be a bit of a jack of all trades. You know, you've got to fix the roof. You've, you've got to worry about, you know, the, the plumbing and you know, where am I going to find someone who can get that footpath fixed and that, that sort of stuff. So you do worry about, you know, well, okay, well, if you're going to come to this church and, you know, I doubt that you're going to want to be here again later because you'll, you'll come for a confirmation or you'll come for a wedding, but we're never going to see you again. So if you're not one of the parishioners, we're going to charge you some money for, for the, uh, experience and at least that'll help pay the bills and that can be a kind of a maintenance mode um that 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 people will fall into and and depending also too on the i mean there are wonderful parish secretaries there really are who are very apostolic but again it's a, it's a mixed bag and there may be some you know you ring up and you say and they say what's your address and they go oh no you you know you don't belong to this parish um you have to go somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> just you know, just yeah. just yeah. just just leave it at that. Yeah. Click. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's mixed. It's a mixed reaction, and there's a kind of a need to change culture. So you you experience you you've seen that video by uh, there's some English comedians, and it's called the Evil Vicar. If, if, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not too far off what can happen sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh. Speaking of culture, to shift gears a little bit. Um. Uh, question because so uh it can be difficult for a priest to be friends with lay people so like in his parish you know if you become friends with a priest you sacrifice that priest i think uh being a father to you in certain aspects it's going to be different because now the uh, level of vulnerability is shared a little bit more on both sides or just like you know in a normal sort of way I play video games with a group of, of, of Catholics. And if I'm going to play a video game with you and, and shoot you in the head and then smack talk you uh, via, you know, the internet, then you should be allowed to call me by my first name. I think that's fair. Um, is there a similar difficulty in becoming a bishop in fraternity among bishops and priests? Is it different because you're an auxiliary and, and not necessarily like the, uh, how that works? So how does fraternity work for you personally? Sure. And, Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, and, well, and so when you become, well. so it's one of the shocks of, of becoming a bishop. You know, you say, was it a shock to become a bishop? And, and people think, of, oh, because of the honor of it. And I'm thinking, no, 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 because of the reality of it is a shock. Uh, it's a complete, you, you, your life just gets turned upside down. You, it, it's the, I've often confer, referred to the movie Gravity, you know, where uh, the space shuttle gets, gets hit by some meteorites. And then that person just, uh, Sandra Bullock just starts spinning, you know, for the first couple of minutes. And, and that's what happens because your relationship to everybody changes and the priests who were your friends, well, you're now their boss. And that, it, it, and it leads to very, very different relationship. And that, that continually comes as a shock. So 
it is true, only other bishops really kind of get what it is to be a bishop in the same way that as a priest, only other priests really kind of get, even though you've got people who are great friends, you've known them all your life, but there's just, an, there's an experiential attitude. I, I mean, the same probably happens for mums um, or, or doctors or nurses or whatever, you know, it's, it's a, it'd be a similar situation, but only a person who's in that uh, space really gets you. So I do have good friendships with other bishops, thanks be to God. Uh, and that that makes that makes a world of difference um, to in terms of feeling understood. Put it that way. I, I do have because I, I have um, worked professionally before entering the priesthood. I I do have um, a certain ease with in, in terms of dealing with professionals or, or, or other lay people, and I have a great interest in in. Uh, Whatever whatever that work situation might happen to be, whether it's in finance or in law or whatever, you know, I I I, underst I get it, I understand it, and I, and I find it interesting, and I'm very happy to, you know, over dinner or whatever like that to talk about people's professions. And so I, I do have a, a number of lay people who are good friends. As a, as a bishop, though, you do need to be careful with those friendships because the priests get jealous. Uh, they you know, hang on, we're your closest collaborators, <laughs> and they are. So you right. do, they're very sensitive to, you know, are you spending too much time with all of these lay people at the chancery? You know, what about us? Um, and so that they also need to be part of the picture. Now, I, I remember one birthday, I, I invited some of my lay people friends and I invited some of my priest friends. It was a disaster because the priest friends just kept talking shop. <laughs> the poor lay people were, were, were taking, <laughs> taking, you know, sort of like, you know, scurrying into the kitchen and going, what the hell's going on here? You know, what's this? Uh, so it can, it can be a bit tricky sometimes. But yeah, there, there is there is a balance, and and um, yeah, I, as an auxiliary, there's there's the advantage that you're not the ultimate boss. So you, because you don't have the kind of the say, the, the final say on a lot of things, they realise that you're, you know, they they they'll tell you a bit more than they would if you were actually the boss. <laughs> so maybe just to end the podcast, we can you know. We're talking about evangelization. We're talking about a little bit about priest bishop relationship, and we mentioned earlier about like how bad priests are about talking about like religion stuff, like yeah, <laughs> about your faith as it matters to you personally. Yeah, so maybe your we can end just by relationship with Jesus. Yes, and maybe we can all take a turn with this. Actually, is um, we can just talk about like how has our relationship with Jesus been stretched or grown in this last month uh because i think people will appreciate especially not just from priests but also from a bishop hearing like this is a new reality for everyone and and often the bishops are seem distant or far away from things and so it'd be i think it'd be a very interesting thing for people to hear about that if we're open to well i think one 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 that. like one thing that will happen for you guys is that um they'll think well you've said mass what else do you do <laughs> You know, that was it. You, you did your little half hour thing. You know, that's the. You, you. I, I tell people like now my schedule looks like what people think my schedule looks like all the time. People there just think go. I celebrate <laughs> mass and that's it. Now it kind of looks like that. Yeah, that's okay. Well, there's a point there, but uh, well, I, for bishops though, people, so I think they think that we just sit on a chair with our mitre on and the crozier in hand and sort of. <laughs> I wonder if someone's going to get in touch with me today. You know, I, I wonder. You know, like right. Uh, yeah. but I got to say, like, as a, as a priest of Opus Dei, I was, I was very, very busy, very busy, but as a bishop, as a diocesan bishop, I'm still on Opus Dei, you know, in, in pectorate, but, um, as a, as a diocesan mm -hmm. bishop, um, uh, I, I'm twice as busy. 
and it's it's not necessarily a good business, but it is it is a busyness. And so when the coronavirus hit, and a lot of those meetings that I have to attend, and I, I'd call them representational meetings because I don't know that there's any action follows from it, but you've got to kind of be there, you know, representing. Yeah. Uh, they were cleared from my diary, and I, I, for one day I was just in. in this is too good to be true. <laughs> but they got replaced by Zoom meetings and other meetings, and all you know, and, and the transition from moving online. And we've got to, there's another meeting I've got to I have to attend after this. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and again, I'm not sure what some of those meetings actually achieved. But but in terms of so, but there have been times in terms of contingencies, getting ready for when people get sick, when, you know, different parishioners and priests and, and, and trying to deal with, with the unknown, you know, will people be able to get anointing? What, what's that going to look like? Um, setting all of that up, making sure that we've got our bases covered, that we're ready to go, that, you know, all the, the logistics. So I've been doing a lot of work on the phone, following up and, and, and dealing with other issues. And so sometimes that has made prayer difficult because I'm, I've got to keep the phone on. I can't just put it away. And I'm doing my mental prayer. And then there's a, you know, okay, got to deal with this issue. But that back, okay, then back. yes, Jesus. Now where were we? You know. So, but hopefully that's yeah, that's yeah. settling down a little bit. And I, I'm sort of looking forward to. I don't know when this is going to happen, but it's, it's a stage where I can just spend extended times of prayer uh, without interruption. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So for me there's something analogous happening to me right now with what happened to me when I entered seminary. So like when I entered seminary, I had all these ideals about what the church was, what the priesthood was, what God was calling me to. And then all those got destroyed in front of me. And like my whole idea of what the church was and Jesus was like just crumbled around me. And it's a very, it was a very difficult time to deal with that. But over time that got rebuilt into something more accurate, more truthful, and ultimately truly more beautiful. But that process of letting what I thought all these things were die and letting the truth rise up in a new way was a difficult process. Something similar has been happening to me just in the priesthood. Because uh, I think in your first year, and maybe even your first two years, I don't know, but like it's just kind of shell shock because you're just thrown into it. And everyone's like, you're a priest now. I'm like, okay, I'm a priest now. I'm trying to say mass and trying to talk to people nicely in the sacristy and, and learning about all the marriage paperwork I have to do. And it's just shell shock. But after a year or two for me, it's been like, okay, now I've got a little bit of time to reflect. And like even before all of this uh, uh, lockdown, shutdown virus stuff happened, I, w I w felt myself beginning to go through that same process. What I thought the priesthood was isn't what I thought it was. What I thought the people of God were, they're not who I thought they were. Uh, that's that those old ideals are being torn down so that something more true and more beautiful can build, be built up. And I, I trust that. and I know that's going to happen, but I'm in the middle of everything being torn down. So it's very difficult. So in the midst of that, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden, like everything's torn away by this virus. Like, you know, I'm trying to figure out my priestly identity and now I can't do that with, with, with people around. Uh, so for me, my, I was kind of avoiding prayer for a while because I was really angry. Mm. And I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, Anthony, you know what you have to do? You have to tell Jesus how angry you are about everything. So for like you know, the last couple of weeks, it's just been me journaling about how ticked off I am because mm. I've been using language stronger than that. And it's only since I've been doing that that I've been like, oh, finding more peace, you know, mm. uh, reconnecting in kind of like the old ways. Like, oh yeah, Lord, I do know 
Like, you're always new, but, like, I do know who you are. We do have a relationship. I was just hiding a lot of myself from you because I didn't like mm-hmm. how I felt. So that's kind of where I am now. Hmm. It's a difficult time, but it's not a bad time. I, I've, had no, I've had no experience like, okay, I know this is good, even though I hate it, but good things are coming out of it. And so, yeah, so... Hmm. In summation, I'm being uh, a cranky, and the Lord is letting me be cranky, and that's good. Hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's been it's been interesting. Like, I dealt with the whole situation in a pretty matter of fact way. I'm like, okay, we gotta shut down public masses. Okay, it's gonna be really hard to keep the church open and to keep people staying home when they should be staying home. So gosh, and to keep the church clean after people visited it. So gosh, shut the church down. Like, you just I don't know. It just happened. Pretty matter-of-factly, actually, like, I, I felt almost like a little guilty that I didn't have a tug of my heart. Not with the shutting. I, I my, my heart broke when I had to say we're not having public masses anymore. Mm. But it was not as hard to shut down the church even. And then a couple weeks later, then I sent my secretary home because too many people were coming in, not keeping social distance. So I said, work from home, please. Right? Um, but And I found, like, for the first two, two and a half weeks, I was, like, pretty dazed and confused. <laughs> yeah, sure. To put it, to put it that way but i realized pretty quickly i was like okay i need something to be accountable to for my day because if i don't i will say mass at 11 30 at night and <laughs> that's dumb and so that was actually the main i mean obviously i also too obviously to want to get it out there for my parishioners but that was actually one of the main reasons i started streaming mass was actually for also just my benefit mm-hmm. and and same thing with streaming adoration i was like i need this every day especially now and I and my prayer life has been consistent, in, but like there are days where a holy hour gets missed or whatever, or my time of prayer gets pushed too late, and then I'm too tired. And I was like, I need to take a moment. I don't know why. I just had this matter of fact sense of I need to embrace this moment. So after a couple of weeks of like being dazed and confused, like I had my mass and adoration going consistently by then. But then it's been like this idea: I need to now establish a daily schedule, like almost monkish, like. Um. And it's been incredibly freeing. And my life, my prayer life has never been this good. Now I'm not saying because it was because of the busyness or anything like that. No, it's because like, I just, I've started making choices I should have made five years ago. And I'm not feeling like a lot of fruit for my prayer, but I noticed there's a lot more peace and wreck. And this has been like, I think the biggest fruit though, I've just noticed overall in my relationship with Jesus, a greater docility of heart and receptivity. I don't need to, like, I don't, like, sometimes people are like, you need to do this right away. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I, you know, you know, like, I don't, I, I want to, right, I've been working on a letter for parishioners, but I'm still not quite ready to send it out yet because something's not feeling right. I want to reach out to them, absolutely, but I'm realizing, no, this seems to come from a place of peace and prayer. I've never had that attitude before in my life. It's always <laughs> been react and do right away. Yeah. And so like, there's a silence kind of growing in my heart, in my prayer life with Jesus that is allowing me to listen to him and to chew on things. Like, like I just, like yesterday I was preaching at mass and I'm like, and I was just reading this thing by Balthazar in our, our common task or not in common task, uh, uh, the Christian moment, the moment of Christian witness. And it, it was actually doing a lot for me in my prayer. And I was like, I want to preach on this right now. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to sit with it for a while. I've never done that before. The second a new idea hits me, I have to share it right away. <laughs> so like this has been, I don't know. I've just been noticing I, I'm I'm becoming more organized. 
I'm becoming more consistent in my prayer. And I, I feel like, and again, I even feel guilty that I might not be feeling feelings of anxiety or something like that, but that's what the Lord's been doing for me for whatever reason. And I've been really grateful. And, and so I know that when things open again, my relationship with Jesus is going to be deeper and it's got to take that first priority really in my life to recognize like, yes, I need to do my parish things, but the life of prayer, like really the best thing we can do as priests is offer prayer and sacrifice for our people. And we can do that till the cows come home right now. That's the best thing we can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I still don't know what it all is, but God's been doing some good work and it's been exciting to be along for the journey. Wonderful to hear. Cool. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I think well, we're going to have to have uh, Bishop on again because, like, we should have an episode on uh, Opus Day and all that stuff, since I assume you know that, a little bit about oh, that, Bishop. I think two. <laughs> yeah, good. good. Actually, we're, no, I was the, first, you again, but thank I was you so the uh, first person to join as a new member of Opus Day in New Zealand. Oh, See, cool. this is super exciting. We have so much content about that we're going to the pull out of you and get it yes. out to our well, well, it, what it does too. probably next time. I'll have to work on the technology. And here's yeah. the other thing. Now it encourages Nick to want to make a bumper so that we know we can use it again. There yeah. you go. That's true too. Right? So uh, thank you so much, Trevor. Thank you, Bishop Umbers, for coming on uh, and for being with us. It's been great to have you here. Um, and so thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you can find podcasts. And please leave a review because and tell your enemy, your friends about the podcast and tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at FR Harrison on Twitter. You can find Father Anthony uh, streaming live mass uh, all the time. Just streaming. I'm streaming things. Bishop Umbers. Well, I guess Twitter is, is my preferred place, but that's Bishop Down Umber. <laughs> so perfectly it's it's, it's beautiful it's great you can find the podcast at clerical pod on twitter you can email us clerically speaking at gmail.com find us on facebook we are everywhere folks and we will see you all next week god bless